Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributors. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. The scripture reading is Luke 10, 29 through 37, if you'd like to follow along. We've heard these verses twice in recent weeks in messages brought by April and Eric. Their speaking prompted me to collect my thoughts together as this passage has been on my mind for much of the last year. I most likely heard this story first as a child listening to my Sunday school teacher as they placed felt figures on a flannel board. I have no props or visual aids today, but I do encourage you to close your eyes and envision this scene. Here are the words from Luke. And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have had. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Last December, my family drove to Mount Hood for a cross-country ski trip. It was a beautiful, sunny day with fresh, snowy conditions. We had a great time skiing. After two hours, we were worn out and returned to the parking lot only to discover our car missing. We looked a second and a third time, making certain we were checking the correct place, and we confirmed it was truly gone. Was it towed? No, nearby signs indicated we had parked in the proper space. Did I put the snow park on the dash? Yes, no, uh, even if no, the car would not have been towed. Stolen, the awful word entered my mind. A feeling of dread settled upon us. What now, who do we call? What county are we in? So I dialed 911 on my cell phone. After several adventurous hours, we arrived home that same evening, safely, minus our auto and some possessions. 
In the coming days, I began sharing our story with people I came across. I encountered primarily two types of responses. One was to hear from the other person their own story of having lost something to theft. The second and more prominent reply focused on terrible, how terrible it is to be violated by thieves. I thought a lot about violation and considered whether I felt violated. I know I felt more disappointment about the inconvenience of the situation, but I wasn't experiencing the annoyance other people had passionately expressed to me regarding the theft. I wrestled with whether I should be feeling more violation and anger over these events. Instead, I was feeling a greater sense of gratitude that my family was safe, that we had not experienced a car accident or injuries. It wasn't that those encouraging me to feel violated were wrong, I just didn't feel the same way. In the days following, we learned that car theft in Portland had been on the rise, that the most frequently stolen vehicle in the US matched our model, <laughs> and it is surprisingly common for people to steal a car just for a single ride between point A and B. None of this was particularly comforting, but it offered some context to our experience. Because of the high theft nature of our car, I deduced that it had been stolen and sold for parts. It was helpful to believe that the car and its contents were gone. I also ceased telling our story because I needed a break from heated opinions about theft and violation. More and more, my thoughts turned to all the people who had helped us that day. Many hands lightened our load. They included the 911 operator who kindly routed my car call to Clackamas County. The sheriff who gathered our information and broadcast it nationwide so all police could be on the lookout for the car and also told us about a public shuttle that we could ride from government camp to Sandy which was coming in 30 minutes. The young couple in the parking lot next to our missing auto who drove my family to the gas station in government camp the gas station attendant who helped us know where and when the shuttle was coming and provided phone numbers for ODOT and area towing companies. People, strangers, on the packed to the gills shuttle who gave up their seats for Jill and the girls to sit and engaged them in friendly conversation. The staff at the restaurant in Sandy who fixed our dinner the ODOT employee who answered the phone after 7 p.m. on a Sunday night and confirmed that our car had not been towed. And Grandpa, who met us in Sandy and drove us home. By my count, 12 people, 11 strangers, plus Grandpa, helped us get home. They were our neighbors that day. They had mercy on us. But are these acts of mercy? Or are they simply gestures of polite courtesy? Is this just what's expected in someone's job? Mercy is one of those hard words for me. It feels big, polished, important, difficult to come by, almost a quality one must earn before sharing. Why is this the case? Is a merciful act only one that is large and spectacular enough to be posted on a marquee? Or can mercy be small, hidden, spontaneous, even wobbly? 
Although the parable of the Good Samaritan presents acts of mercy, the examples can feel quite lofty. Giving aid to a dying man, providing transportation, underwriting shelter, offering visitation. Sometimes these actions feel like a high bar to clear. Do I need to achieve master cleric status with plus 15 merciful powers to act with mercy? 11 months of reflection on the events of last December is reshaping my understanding of mercy and prompting me to consider how I am merciful. A highlight from the past 10 years of my life has been spending some weekday time with my kids. I can recall trips out in public places like the library and the grocery store with my young daughters. The girls provided a link between me and other adults. Their presence opened interaction with people. Now that the kids are older, when I'm out in public alone during the week, I feel that the once prevalent interaction with others is diminished. Lately, I've experimented with initiating more contact with people I see in public places, including small gestures like smiling, offering a greeting, engaging a child, holding a door, returning a shopping cart. The responses have surprised me. Most are positive, but occasionally someone will reply with overwhelming thanks. Now one could argue that I am simply extending polite courtesy or living by the golden rule. But given these overly gracious responses I've received, I wonder if something more than a polite transaction is taking place. Could this be mercy? Is this loving my neighbors? These experiences are challenging my thinking. My previous conception of mercy coming in different sizes is changing. More and more I sense that rather than big mercy or small mercy, there is only mercy. In the story of the Princess Bride, we are introduced to the farm boy, Wesley, who initially responds to the princess only by saying, as you wish. But we soon, soon learn that what he truly means in his heart is, I love you. If being polite is truly being merciful. I'm trying to start naming this as mercy. Rather than thinking it's the polite thing to do, I'm trying to reshape the phrase into it's the merciful thing to do and the loving thing to do. Mike Huber has observed that everyone around us is 30 seconds from breaking down in tears. If this is even remotely true, then I believe that any act of mercy, whatever my perception of largeness or smallness, is welcome and a necessary thread contributing to the fabric of humanity that surrounds me. Lastly, returning to the parable, it occurs to me that the merciful actions of the Good Samaritan build community. Even though the Samaritan was not previously in community with the injured man, Strangers not previously in community with us showed my family mercy on that snowy day. Mercy can build human community. Here are some queries, and I've written them in the first person. What is mercy to me? When, where, and how have I experienced mercy? 
What role might mercy hold in building human community?